Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Common Ground, a podcast that discusses controversial issues. Today we are taking a different approach to covering the news, as we will be discussing the war in Ukraine. For this episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Michael Stathis, an SUU professor who specializes in international relations. Um, Stathis, why don't you go ahead and say hi? How do? Uh, I hope everybody is uh, uh, sitting comfortably somewhere to listen to this. Great. Okay, so first, I would like to begin with just a brief coverage of the history shared between Russia and Ukraine. Dr. Stathis, can you just give us a brief rundown about the history between the two countries? Well, as you would expect, uh, uh, given the turmoil uh, surrounding Ukraine and Putin right now, uh, there are different versions of, uh, of that story. And uh, uh, Putin, uh, of course, takes a very nationalist view that uh, uh, there has never been a major uh, uh, input uh, by Ukraine or Ukrainians that uh, 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 it's all been Russia, uh, going back to the earliest days. And uh, uh, this isn't quite right. The, the beginning of modern Russia uh, actually began in, uh, uh, in Kiev, uh, only not by Russians. Um, uh, uh, it began with the local people uh, in Ukraine uh, who uh, uh, began to intermix with, uh, of all people, uh, Vikings uh, that uh, uh, played a very, very significant uh, uh, role uh, in uh, the beginning of civilization uh, in this particular area. And uh, they, in fact, uh, uh, gave the name uh, Rus. Uh, to uh, the state that uh, uh, for, uh, oh, generations uh, held its capital in Kiev. Uh, it doesn't really become Russia uh, until uh, 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 the end of the Middle Ages. And uh, 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 even then, uh, Moscow, uh, uh, cities to the north, uh, are backwaters. Uh, Kiev uh, is the real uh, center of, of civilization. Great. So basically... From what I've read, Kiev was the capital of what was called Kievan Rus. Right. Um, this was like a collaboration of Russia, Ukrainian, and Belarusian people. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of a state that encompassed that. Um, and then as we fast forward, we hit the USSR. And could you just give us how Ukraine and Russia, the dynamic played between them with the Soviet Union and the relationship between them? Well, uh, the emergence of Russia... Uh, under Peter the Great, uh, uh, Russia at that time is a, uh, a rather small state uh, up along the Baltic Ocean, Baltic Sea, uh, under uh, 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 the Tsar, of course. And um, uh, Ukraine and Kiev uh, are far to the south and uh, uh, really not, uh, not included. Um, uh, Ukraine really doesn't come into the Russian, the modern Russian orbit uh, until uh, 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 the later czars and, uh, and World War I, and, uh, and finally uh, an incorporation uh, uh, under uh, uh, Soviet rule um, uh, after the Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. And uh, uh, in fact, um, uh, uh, we do see uh, the Soviet Union uh, uh, forming Ukraine into one of the 15 um, uh, Soviet socialist uh, 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 republics. 
Uh, and, uh, of course, there is absolutely no idea of independence uh, at this stage. The question of Ukrainian independence um, uh, is itself something that is uh, debatable. Um, uh, uh, it had a certain degree of uh, independence in the 15 and 1600s, but uh, uh, generally was caught between uh, expanding Russia and expanding uh, uh, Poland. The Soviet Union uh, informing uh, Ukraine as one of the Soviet republics um, uh, basically creates uh, a, uh, a modern entity. But this isn't to say that Ukraine has not had a, a, a much deeper uh, a past. Now, what I'm trying to do, uh, of course, is to dismiss uh, uh, Putin's comment that uh, Ukraine has no meaning, no existence, uh, except for the Soviet Union or uh, uh, his Russia. Uh, that is not true. Yeah, it's very interesting because he actually published an article around March 10th stating that he respected the sovereignty of Ukraine, including the language, including the culture. But obviously his actions have been more expansionist and he wants to take over Ukraine. So there seems to be a total disregard to Ukrainian sovereignty and respecting it as its own nation state. Well, he's uh, from the very beginning, uh, uh, he has been trying to create a justification uh, uh, to uh, argue, to explain uh, that, uh, uh, no, uh, Ukraine has no uh, substance as a modern uh, sovereign state, that uh, its, it's uh, only reason for being is to be part of a greater Russia. Uh, now, uh, 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 of course, that, that changed uh, uh, well, that's not consistent with the reality of 1991. Uh, 1991, uh, Ukraine became and was recognized uh, as a, uh, a modern territorial state, uh, a sovereign state. Um, and uh, 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 to claim anything other than that, of course, is, uh, uh, well, it's, it, it's a vision. Uh, it's a myth. Yeah, and I think what's really complicated about this situation is the geopolitical context of it all, how Russia annexed Crimea um, after it had given Crimea to Ukraine and whatnot. And so there's just such a complex and rich history between these two countries that gives Putin the narrative to expand his propaganda into explaining why they should be able to expand into Ukraine, which kind of leads me to my first question um, of the sovereignty of Ukraine. Can you expand on the idea of national sovereignty and perhaps explain why Putin feels threatened with uh, NATO wanting to, well, Ukraine wanting to join NATO and all that? Okay, uh, two separate subjects. One, uh, the issue of, uh, of sovereignty. The idea, the legal political idea of sovereignty um, uh, uh, takes form in Europe in 1648 at the end of the Thirty Years' War. And uh, it became the basis of the modern uh, nation-state system um, uh, via the Peace of Westphalia ending the Thirty Years' War. And uh, the basis, the core of the, uh, the Westphalian idea is the idea of sovereignty and sovereign rights. And, uh, of course, that has been at the basis of the, uh, the modern state and the modern state system uh, 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 ever since. Um, 
Putin is attempting uh, to question uh, Ukraine's right uh, to be a sovereign state. Well, uh, that right was achieved uh, in 1991 in part uh, by recognition of the Russian Federation. Uh, there's no question uh, about uh, Ukrainian sovereignty. It is a, a sovereign state. Now, Putin's other comments uh, uh, about culture and language, uh, this is all a smokescreen. And uh, you, the Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainians have a culture, they have a language, uh, they have a political uh, uh, identity. His claim that because so many Ukrainians speak Russian, that Ukraine is somehow part of Russia, it makes no sense at all. Um, that would be akin to, uh, to saying, well, an awful lot of people in Arizona uh, speak Spanish. Therefore, uh, Arizona should be part of Mexico. Um, no, it doesn't quite work out uh, 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 that way. Um, in fact, uh, yes, there are uh, millions of people in Ukraine who are fluent in Russian. But they have no other affinity uh, uh, to Russia. Uh, it is a, a, a cultural uh, a sense. Yes, uh, they're uh, close to uh, Russia. They trade with Russia. Uh, they have family in Russia uh, and vice versa. Uh, but it does not mean uh, uh, the Ukrainians are Russians. They just happen to be able to speak a couple of languages. Yeah, and I think... What's interesting about this narrative, and again, this goes with the um, annexation of Crimea, how Eastern Ukrainians speak Russian, is that Poon has really grasped onto the, this idea of a shared culture within Ukrainians and used that as his reason to expand into Ukraine. And this leads me to when he stated that Russia is in open dialogue with Ukraine and is ready to discuss the more complex issues of whether Ukraine should become a part of Russia, how that's going to work on, work out with in terms of sovereignty. But a big issue is the expansion of NATO eastward, right? Um, Putin has felt threatened with NATO expanding and coming towards Russia, and that basically he stated, it is important for us to understand that our partner is defending its national interest, the partner being Ukraine, but not serving someone else's interest and is not a tool in someone else's hands to fight against us. And for me, I guess that's a reference to NATO is what I would assume. And so if we could just touch up on the dynamics of national security, international security in that area between NATO and Russia and why he feels so threatened. Well, the original question of security uh, in 1991 with the dismantling of uh, the Soviet Union, uh, the smaller uh, offshoot uh, republics uh, were uh, more interested in uh, uh, some kind of a, an assurance of security vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia uh, than the other way around. Uh, no one has ever really been concerned or worried about the security of uh, the Russian Federation. Uh, you know, that's not going to be a threat. But the United States and various Western European countries um, did commit themselves to protect Ukrainian sovereignty uh, as it became independent. This was a fundamental part of the agreement uh, by which Ukraine gave up nuclear weapons uh, that it had inherited uh, from the old Soviet Union. Uh, they gave up the, the weapons with an assurance that their security uh, would be um, 
uh, uh, protected uh, by, uh, by the Western powers. Now, uh, Putin does have a, a minor point. <clears throat> when, when the Soviet Union fell apart, uh, many of the countries that had been under Soviet control during the Cold War uh, flocked to NATO. Uh, basically, they still were not sure about Russia. And they wanted the assurance of being part of the NATO alliance uh, to uh, uh, protect their security in the future. But um, uh, f for many people in the Russian Federation, they saw a, uh, a perhaps overly aggressive expansion of NATO eastward uh, as potentially uh, uh, threatening. Now, to be honest, it, it's really a stretch. Uh, to, to imagine that any of these countries individually or collectively uh, presented a security threat to Russia. They just didn't operate that way. But in Putin's mind, that is exactly what was going on. And uh, the, uh, uh, the question of Ukraine was paramount in this discussion. If Ukraine becomes part of the European Union and NATO, it is an existential threat to the Russian homeland. It is also, however, uh, as a successful Western economy, Western democracy, it is a threat to um, corrupting uh, uh, the people of Russia. Hey, over here in Ukraine, uh, uh, you know, my cousin, Alexander's down there. Uh, he's got a job. He's got retirement. He votes uh, uh, every couple of Why can't we have that here? That is a threatening question. Hmm. Absolutely. And as we see Russia continuing its war and spreading throughout more of Ukraine, um, we come into the question of how international organizations like NATO and Western countries should respond to Russia. So far, we've seen economic sanction sanctions, right? The Council of Foreign Relations reports that the U.S. implemented sanctions on Russia's central bank, which froze the bank's U.S. assets. There's also been um, sanctions put on Putin himself. Um, other international organizations have also uh, planned to remove Russia from the banks, such as Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Te Telecommunications, which will severely hamper their ability to move around money. Um, there's also been talks of implementing a no-fly zone over Ukraine. And so... Just as this war continues and we don't see a near end in sight, how should the West, the West of the world respond to this war? Well, the primary uh, uh, question, of course, has been uh, the threat that uh, Putin uh, may find reason to escalate. Uh, escalate to the use of chemical weapons. Escalate to the use of uh, tactical or what we call battlefield uh, nuclear weapons. And, of course, the, uh, the ultimate fright here would be uh, escalation to a global nuclear war. Um, this must be avoided at, at all costs. But that kind of leaves uh, NATO, the United States, and even Ukraine uh, in the lurch. Uh, that means that uh, uh, Putin can do everything he wants up to um, a provocation of uh, an all-out uh, 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 reaction by, uh, by the West. And that leaves him an awful lot of room. 
He also has uh, uh, threatened constantly uh, that uh, uh, any form of Western interference or escalation would have severe ramifications for the countries uh, in Central and Eastern Europe. He's not being exact, but he, he has this shadow of the nuclear mushroom in back of him, uh, and, uh, and he is using that as, uh, 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 well, uh, uh, as a device to threaten, uh, threaten the world. Give me what, what I want, or we're all going to go down in a fiery nuclear furnace. Okay, what, you, what can you do in uh, uh, the shadow of that kind of thing? It is, uh, it is limited. Uh, but it's going to be up to uh, the leaders of NATO countries, including the United States, uh, to figure out, okay, how far can we go to call his bluff? At uh, what point is he going to call foul and uh, uh, take action? Um, and that is, uh, is kind of an unknown, and it, it's limited. Uh, uh, it, it does limit what NATO and the United States uh, uh, can do. Um, but you don't know. Uh, you know, it might be possible to send in, uh, you know, a flight of uh, uh, modern NATO fighters and it might not strike any uh, uh, response from uh, Putin at all. Or he might use that as a justification uh, to take out uh, one of the uh, lesser uh, Ukrainian cities uh, with a small nuclear weapon. That's the kind of thing that uh, uh, we're afraid of. Yeah, and it's really frightening because Russia owns the most nuclear warheads within the entire world. Right now it's estimated that he has 6,000 nuclear warheads as of 2022. Um, which is the largest in the world. So that being said, there have been reports of some war crimes going on in Ukraine. We've had re reports of rapes and um, executions. There's also been an alleged chemical weapon attack in Ukraine as well. That be being said, this has obviously become a humanitarian crisis. Um, you're imposing on a sovereign nation as well. At what point do you think the world will stand by and be like, okay, we're going to allow this and still increase economic sanctions, hoping that will deter um, Russia from continuing its war? Or will there be a certain point where we're like, okay, in terms of our military, we have to intervene because the crimes are just too horrendous? In 1999, uh, uh, President Bill Clinton uh, faced a similar situation uh, uh, in uh, Yugoslavia in the province of Kosovo and uh, could not get, very similar to the uh, present situation, uh, uh, a vote from Russia in the Security Council. Therefore, Clinton uh, felt it necessary to do an end run around the United Nations to NATO um, and uh, economic sanctions, political sanctions, and finally military action was taken uh, uh, against uh, 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 Yugoslavia. Uh, and uh, it worked, but it worked because Yugoslavia did not have nuclear weapons. Uh, uh, it could not retaliate. Uh, it was in an inferior, uh, inferior position uh, uh, to NATO and the, uh, and the United States. In many ways, Russia is in an inferior position vis-a-vis -vis NATO and America, um, but it has that uh, wild card. You know, 
I will use nuclear weapons if it comes to that. And Europe especially is frightened to death of this because in a nuclear exchange, Europe is going to be the, uh, the first area targeted. Uh, and uh, it will be the first area uh, that will feel um, uh, the pain of nuclear warfare. Yeah, which is a horrible thing to think about um, because I've never experienced it in my lifetime, this type of escalation of war. And just the threat of nuclear weapons being used really is scary and terrifying because we don't really know how our defense systems will work in, com in combating that. Europe will be targeted. Well, and the, the bottom line is that the uh, should it escalate to the unthinkable, um, there is no defense. Uh, the philosophy of uh, mutual assured destruction is still in place. Um, six uh, a thousand nuclear uh, strategic nuclear warheads. Uh, it might be closer to five uh, 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 five thousand five hundred, but those excessive numbers are redundant. Uh, the United States uh, and uh, Russia, the two major nuclear powers. Uh, have more than enough uh, weapons to totally annihilate each other many times over. And in the meantime, uh, more than likely uh, 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 end the history of the human race. This is such a frustrating predicament because it almost seems as if because Putin is so unstable, he can continuously allow be allowed to continue the war in Ukraine without any repercuss repercussions other than economic sanctions, especially because he has given threats saying, if anyone from the West intervenes, you will see a response like no one has seen before. Um, this is frustrating. How can students become more aware of this situation? And is there any way we can find hope in this time of desperation and war? Uh, again, two questions. One, uh, how can students become more informed? The resources are out there. Uh, in fact, it is almost impossible uh, uh, to avoid uh, hearing newscasts or podcasts or uh, 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 seeing the written word uh, about this problem. Uh, it is uh, the dominant issue of, uh, of our uh, of our day. Hope. Um, it doesn't seem very uh, uh, evident right now. Uh, hope, uh, in many situations, though, can seem uh, uh, elusive, but it has to be there. And um, uh, uh, w without it, uh, of course, you just throw in the, uh, uh, the towel. Um, we hope, number one, for rational minds uh, to dominate. Um, oddly enough, we are fortunate in one respect, that... Uh, we only have one Putin operating here uh, on that side. Uh, if we had a similar temperament uh, in Europe or the United States, uh, uh, then we would be in, uh, uh, in real trouble. There is also a possibility. Uh, uh, Putin may settle uh, uh, for uh, the Donbass region, uh, eastern Ukraine and Crimea, uh, and on May 9th, Russia's uh, Victory Day, uh, declaring victory over Nazi Germany, uh, he may just decide, I've won. Mission accomplished. Uh, and that's the end of it. Mm. We hope for that. But that probably won't be the end.
Well, I guess this is a, a wait and see type of situation, unfortunately, as there isn't really any other response other than economic stations, sanctions being implemented. And I hope to God we do not escalate to nuclear war, obviously. Amen. Yes. Um, thank you, Dr. Stathis, for your insight. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Having you today. Thank and you. And if any student wants to get any other information, we do have an article on SUU News uh, regarding where you can donate to some reputable charities that will help Ukrainians. Thank you, guys.